With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Happy Friday to you all, except Jordan Pickford, David Coote, and Michael Oliver, of course. This is the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Friday. It's the 23rd of October. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out their services at LibertyShield.com. Right, before we get started, I do just want to take another moment to praise Marcus Rashford. Uh, I am absolutely awestruck by what a human being this 22-year-old has become. Um, after 322 Tory MPs voted against extending the school meal program through the holidays, Marcus Rashford has just doubled down and he's gone full bore. And I just invite you all to check his Twitter timeline. I'll say no more. Just check his Twitter timeline and see what he's managed to accomplish so far. Now, uh, the games are back. It is a full card, uh, Friday through Monday. So I am joined, as always, on a Friday by producer Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am excellent today, Dave. Do you want to know Oh, why? I'd imagine you're excellent. And let me tell you why you're excellent. <laughs> so this morning, I'm walking the dogs in the grounds of Two-Footed Tower. And I go through my Spotify and I say, oh, today we shows up. I'll have a listen to that. The disrespect <laughs> that was placed upon my name. I found you on a Nomark podcast held down by some <laughs> fool, brought you to Anfield Index, allowed you to flourish and become the head producer that you are now. And the disrespect I have faced, it, you, it's ruined my day. It's ruined my <laughs> weekend. I will not stand for it, Mr. Drinkle. I will ask you to explain yourself. You just got to get better at predictions, dude. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that don't know, Tadiwa does a does a segment in his show which is called Bank It or Burn It. You get five games, just five questions about each of the games. Mr. Drinkle was on episode four. He scored 16 out of 25. I was on episode five. I scored a pathetic 
a pathetic 12 out of 25. I will take the L. Absolutely no problem. Um, I will not stand for that disrespect. And should it happen again, Gus Drinkle will be back in here double quick. <laughs> no, congratulations to you, sir. Thank you. Um, your your uh, your predictions were, were very, very good. Um, and congrats to Tadiwa on the show. It's doing well. Um, if God. You gotta just guess the knee slides, man. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Like, these little niche questions, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which of us predicted the score lines better, but you predicted oh, the God, no, that wasn't in me. the game better. <laughs> that wasn't I think I got all of them wrong. I will not lie about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. We have, uh, we've got 10 games to get through, so let's roll through. Uh, once again, uh, congratulations to you on your victory. Um, so let's get started. We've got a Friday night game. Yes, we do on a BT box office. If you're that desperate for Friday night football, we have um, the informed team of the Premier League, Aston Villa against. I was going to say nearly everyone's second team then, and I remembered it's Leeds. <laughs> um, but uh, a quite popular team who's came up from the Championship. Um, with Leeds' injuries, does Villa also been in good form, make them the favourite? Yeah, I think Villa have to be the favourites for this game. Obviously, they come in 100% record, only conceded two goals in their four games. They had an impressive win against Liverpool. They had a good win against uh, Leicester City last time out. The midfield is functioning well. The attack is functioning well. That defence has been exceptional this season. The best defence in the league thus far. And like you say, Leeds have a couple of injuries. They've also got a little bit of inconsistency in their game. I think this will be a tough game for both teams, but I I do think Villa will scrape out the win. I'm going to say 2-1 Villa. Yeah, I think I was in similar thinking to you, but we'll move on to Saturday, half 12 kickoff. This one's on BT Sport. Um, can, I, can I just say, before we mm-hmm. move on, anyone considering paying the €15, Euro, please don't. Give it to your local food bank. Mm-hmm. Find a different way to watch that game. I get showing support for your team, but show your team support not getting the money. <laughs> yeah, your team aren't getting the money. Um, you're not benefiting from that. Your club are not going to benefit from it. Only you know very rich people who don't need the money are going to benefit from it. So, give the money to your local food bank. Yep, we're in the same problem at eight o'clock, but we'll get there as well. Um, so Saturday afternoon kickoff: West Ham v Man City. Uh, West Ham with a miracle comeback last week, and Man City getting back on track against Arsenal. Edison had to bail them out a few times. As West Ham in form attack pose a big threat to Man City's shaky defense. It does pose a bit of a threat for sure. Like you look at the last three games, they beat Wolves, they beat Leicester, and then they drew with Spurs. Those are three teams that will finish almost certainly, you know, top half and above. You'd expect that Spurs should be a top four team. Leicester have definite ambitions of top four. Wolves, I think less so. I think they'd like to be in that position, but I don't see them as one of the teams that have a real opportunity for top four. Um, West Ham have had this hellish start to the season in terms of the fixture list, and they deserve massive credit for how well they've performed and the fact that they've actually got any points, let alone the seven they do have, having lost against Newcastle, which was the easiest game of their first seven games, um, 
City though are, are you know they're a level above the teams that they face so far. You would imagine that Pep will have a, a better game plan than Brendan Rodgers or Nuno had, and I don't see City coughing up a three 0 lead the way Spurs did. Uh, I think City will have a close to full strength team. I liked a lot of what I saw from them against Arsenal. I thought we saw some interesting tactical and dynamic shifts from Pep. And I expect more of the same. I think it wouldn't surprise me if he went back three again. So I am going to say City win this game 3-1. Yeah, I think Man City have a good record against West Ham as well. Um, Moving on to the Mama 3 o'clock kickoff. Everyone's two favourite teams, Fulham and... I mean, we once said exciting Crystal Palace. That went away last week. Um, <laughs> what do you make of this one? This this is one of those games that it, it could be a nil-nil or it could be a 4-3. You know, there's, Fulham are inconsistent. They've got a lot of players that haven't bedded in fully yet. They've got quality going through the team. And probably more overall quality individually than Crystal Palace, but that Palace team is established as a unit. They're obviously drilled by Hodgson, so they'll they'll do the fundamentals well. They won't take many unnecessary risks. I a big a big lot of what will happen in this game will come down to Wolf Zaha, as always tends to be the case when Palace play. But I kind of fancy Fulham for this one. I think Mitrovic up against that Palace backline with the assistance of Luckman and potentially Loftus-Cheek, I think that will cause Palace some problems. I am going to say 2-1 Fulham. Interesting. Yes, Fulham get their first win of the season. Obviously, Anguish is scoring because we have to bring him up every time. He, he has been exceptional in that team this season. Yeah. I mean, if Fulham do go down, he should be a bargain for some team out there. Um... Probably the biggest game of the weekend, then. It's, ooh, God, how do I word this? It's the, well, top four last season, but started the season very inconsistently. Um, Man United v Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea didn't get the win, but did we see signs of the attack clicking last week, or is it the fact that Southampton played suicide high line stuff again? I thought Southampton's defence was, it bordered on, like, slapstick comedy. It was like watching a Laurel and Hardy production. Um, I, that said, Chelsea's looked exactly the same. I don't really know with this one. United have been dreadful at home so far this season. Really, really poor against Palace. Awful against Spurs. Their better games have come away from home. But Oli has had the measure of Lampard. Last season, they met four times. United won three of them. And I think that trend will continue in this game. I think what we've seen from United in the last two games in particular has been an improvement on what was going on before that. Like their first three league games, uh, the Palace, Brent, uh, Brighton and Spurs games, they were an abomination, a disgrace. They got the win against Brighton because Brighton had terrible luck with the amount of time they hit the woodwork. And then obviously that controversial late penalty but they were shocking in that game. The Spurs defeat, I mean, if Oli had been sacked after that game, nobody could have complained about it. But 
a better performance away to Newcastle. A lot of that was on Newcastle, though, and how how little they offered in the game. And it took United an awful long time to win that game. Um, but they look good in midweek against PSG. Uh, Chelsea, to me, haven't really clicked yet. It was a good sign for them that um, Havertz has gotten his first goal, that Werner's off the mark with a couple. Uh, it, they've got the talent going forward, but I still don't see any any real development or flow to the team. It At the moment, it's just individual players having individual moments of brilliance or relying on defensive errors. Now, they could well get some defensive errors from this United team, but it wouldn't surprise me if both teams set up with back threes and um, and look to be a little bit cautious. But I'm going to say that United win this one 2-1. Mm. Did uh, Man-, Man United's performance against PSG change anything? I think Twan Zebi was apparently impressive. Yeah, he was. He, he was very, very impressive. He's a he's, physically, he's a monster. He's just he's so powerful, so quick, and he gives them good balance. Now, I've said a few times that I think a move to a back three suits them best, and I thought Lindelof had one of his best performances for United in the middle of that back three. Obviously, you'd expect Maguire to come in for him, but Luke Shaw at this point is absolutely more of a centre back in a back three than he is a left back in a back four, playing with a back three allows Alex Tellez to play his more natural role as a wing back. Mm. You'd still have doubts about Wan Bissaka going forward despite the goal against Newcastle. I still think he's better suited in the back three to that right sided role with Maguire and Shaw. Um but they don't have anyone else unless they want to play Brandon Williams as the wing back, so it'll likely be Wan Bissaka there until January at the very late at the very least. And mm. someone like Tunzebi playing the right side role, and like they've got Timothy Fossumensa as well, he can play that role. Mm. Um, so they have options there, and I have to say, I think Ollie was very brave in in dropping Pogba for the Newcastle game, then kept him out of the team again for the PSG game, and I think he has to do the same again. I think he has to go with Fred and one of McTominay or Matic, yeah, and then Bruno in front of them, and then two from the front three. Uh, Martial, Rashford, and Greenwood, whichever two. Mm, I think Martial's still are... suspended, isn't he? Is he, suspe- he is suspended? He is suspended. You're right. You are right. He is suspended. So, for me, I would go Greenwood and Rashford. Mm. Um, Fred adds a, a good balance to the team, I think. He does. Like Fred, Fred reminds me of Ginny Wijnaldum in mm. that he's not the holding midfielder and he's not the attacking midfielder, but he's the one that does sort of all the other little jobs. He's He's a really nuanced player. He his he's really intelligent. His defensive work is excellent. He doesn't have the gaudy tackling statistics of an Angolo Kante, but you watch him block passing lanes. You watch him press from all the right angles. He's really clever. He tracks his runners very very well. He look he makes mistakes because he's not perfect, but he definitely adds a lot to that midfield when he plays. They miss him when he's not there, and both Matic and McTominay play better with him than they do with Pogba because when he's there they have less to do when Pogba's there Pogba doesn't like you watch Pogba play and he floats through games Mm. and then he has like instances of brilliance and people fawn over it but if you watch Pogba for the entire 93-94 minutes 
there's just large portions where he's just not involved in the play on or off the ball. Mm. And that to me is where my criticism of Paul Pogba comes from. He's got, he's got the talent than the ability to be the best midfield player in the world, but he hasn't performed like it. You go back through his four seasons at United, there's maybe one good season, and the rest, there's mm. inconsistencies, there's just stretches of 15, 20 games have just been dreadful. There's been a whole bunch of questionable injuries. There's been tantrums, there's been arguments, there's been threats to leave. Uh, to, to me, I wouldn't have him near my club. And I, I loved him at Juventus. I thought this kid is going to just, he's going to change things in the Premier League. When he arrived at United, I thought that's it. That's them right back to the top. And it hasn't mm. happened. And all I keep hearing is United need to sign this guy to unlock Pogba or that guy to unlock Pogba. But I've never heard of anybody that Pogba was unlocking. You know, I haven't yeah. heard that Pogba's unlocked Martial or Rashford or. Bruno or Van de Beek or any of these guys. All I've heard is that other other players who aren't at the club need to be signed to unlock the ninety million pound midfielder that's been there four years. So for me, I think Ollie needs to leave him out of the team because especially in this game where you would expect Kante and Kovacic to play, assuming, you know, both are fit. Um I think they need the energy. They'll need the dynamism of Fred. I think I'd go Fred McTominay. If I'm playing the back three, I'd go Fred McTominay as, as the pivot um, and just match them for for athleticism. You'd have, I think, a power advantage. Um, yeah, I, I think United win this game. I do. Yeah, it's certainly a big opportunity for both teams. Um, I didn't watch Chelsea midweek. Did they, uh, they were playing Sevilla. Nil-nil, I think it was. Wasn't particularly good. Mm. It wasn't particularly good. Now, it wasn't just down to them. Sevilla came with a very, very simplified game plan that they just weren't going to get beat. And um, Chelsea didn't really ask any questions of them. It was... Do you know what it was like? It was like... You know those games at the end of a season where both teams have nothing to play for. They're going to finish 11th and 12th regardless of the results. And they're just like, well, like we might as well just have a bit of a kick about here. We we won't really do a whole lot. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Um, Chelsea's best players were, by and large, their defenders. Sevilla, if anything, were the better team. But I, I didn't think much of of either team. Yeah, I didn't watch much midweek football apart from Liverpool's game. Couldn't stomach it because you knew Man United were always going to beat PSG because that's what they do. Um, but we'll move on. Um. Liverpool v Sheffield United at 8pm on Sky Sports Box Office. Don't buy that. Um, yep, don't buy that. Don't buy that. Um, Do not buy that. Give that money to your food bank. Exactly. Your local food bank. Or go to your local Tesco or Aldi or Lidl or whatever you have near to you. Buy €15 Euro worth of non-perishable goods and donate that. Um, because... Just don't don't be feeding into this. The more we don't buy these games, the sooner they'll go away. By all accounts, less than 80 people bought the West Brom Burnley game. Now, in truth, if that had been on free-to-air TV, that might have attracted less than 80 people anyway. <laughs> but at the same time, 
send that message loud and clear that football fans are supporters, they're not customers, and that people don't have an endless supply of money to feed into this, you know, billion pound industry, uh, and that they need to give back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but on another game, Liverpool midweek, bit of a scruffy win over Ajax, shall we say. Um, but Sheffield haven't started the season all too well, but I was listening to a preview podcast over on the sister site, Anfield Index, and he, there seems to be, optimism might be too strong a word, but maybe getting back on the right track in little bits and bobs. Obviously, Liverpool's a big challenge regardless of Alisson and, and Van Dijk, but do, do Sheffield have the threat to challenge Liverpool? Not really. Um I think there's delusion among some of the Sheffield United fan base. I don't think they fully grasped the situation that they're in. And the situation that they're in is that they've played five, won none, drawn one, and lost four. They are struggling desperately to score goals. They're struggling desperately to create goals or create chances. To put it into context, Burnley who are an abomination going forward and have played at one game less, have scored one game, one goal more. So it's not good for Sheffield United. Um, I'd expect that Rian Brewster maybe gets his first start in this game and he will offer them, you know, a goal scorer, someone who can take chances, but they have to create the chances for him. They probably deserve the draw against Fulham, but it took a very late penalty and they relied on Fulham having missed a penalty to even be in the situation where that penalty got them a point. Uh, I have massive concerns over Sheffield United. I have concerns over Liverpool, I have to say. Uh, I didn't think the midfield worked at all in midweek. I wouldn't ever want to see James Milner start an important game again because he, he's he's finished. Like it, It's done, it's over, thank you, goodbye, whatever. He, the guy can't run anymore. Um, he trundles along really, really slowly, and it just has little to no impact on games. Um, but I think Matip will be back, uh, which will mean that Fab- Fabinho goes back into midfield. So you'd expect it to be Wijnaldum, Fabinho, and Henderson in midfield for this one, if Henderson is fit to play 90. Uh, he probably won't be, but I'd say he might be fit to play 60, so you'd probably give him the first 60 and then and then hook him off. Um Liverpool should have enough to beat uh, a Sheffield United team this poor, fairly comfortably. I'm going to say Liverpool win this game 3-0. Yeah, I think Liverpool have to win this one, really. I think the home record speaks for itself, doesn't it? Mm. Um, So we'll move on from that one, and we're on to Sunday's games now. Um, The suicidal Southampton against a injury and suspended uh, suspension riddled Everton. Um, considering the people missing from Everton's team, should Southampton see this as a real opportunity? Yeah, yeah, they definitely should. No Richarlison because he's suspended for being a naughty boy. No Hamas Rodriguez who is injured. And let's just take a moment to consider this. So. Carlo announced yesterday that he was injured and then claimed it happened in an early challenge against Virgil van Dijk. 
which I think happened about five minutes into the game, if even. He then went on to play the entire game. He went on to run 11 kilometers, have a massive impact on the game, didn't show any signs of being injured at all through the game. But at the very end of the game, he committed a really bad foul and then got up limping. So I just wonder if maybe Carlo's telling some fibs and maybe he hurt himself fouling a Liverpool player rather than getting hurt in a challenge with Van Dyke. Um But that's a big blow for them because obviously he's been really good. Richarlison's been really good this season al- already as well. They'll still have Calvert-Lewin, so they'll still have their main goal threat. But I, I do think it's an opportunity for Southampton. They're pretty good in the air defensively. So they might have a better chance of coping with Calvert-Lewin than others have had so far this season. But at home, I think they will consider this an opportunity. And I think they'll get a point from this game. I'm going to say 2-2. I think Southampton's kind of cavalier defending style will cost them. But I think that little tiny-armed man in goal will cost Everton. And I'm not giving up on that, by the way. So <laughs> you can you can just give up tweeting me saying that it's disrespectful. I'm going to call him the tiny-armed man. Until I see fit. So I think the tiny armed man will cost his team at least one. And I'm going to say 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Who who do you think would come in as a team um, in the front three? I'd say Bernard will come in on one side. It is hard to know. I mean, maybe... It will be. It will be, yeah. Maybe it will be comes in. Maybe Bernard on the right, uh, Calvert-Lewin to the middle and... And Iwobi off the left is probably their best option. Um, unless he wants to change things around a little bit, maybe play Gilfie as a 10 and play the front two. Um, and play, sorry, play a front two. Mm. It's hard to know. Like they've left themselves a little bit short up front, letting go of Walcott, letting go of, Keen. of Moise Keane. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit bare bones with, with, with just two players out. So, Don't yeah, that I young think... lad Gordon, or is he injured? Sure. I, I don't know if I'd be throwing in a kid with that little experience into this game. Mm. Especially a team that pressed so relentlessly like Southampton and play at such a high tempo. Like You need somebody who's going to be able to adapt to that. Now, Bernard's not ideal, but at least he's an experienced player who's proven himself to be quality. Uh, so I think I would go Bernard and, and Iwobi in this one. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that's on Sky, by the way. Um, Wolves v Newcastle, another part of uh, the next part of Super Sunday. Um, Newcastle seem to be very up and down. They either like surprisingly win or get battered. There seems to be no middle ground. Um, and Wolves, who I think you've been crit- critical of their uh, transfer window and. I mean, they've got a good couple of results, but they've had a few stinkers. Does that kind of tell the story of their summer? It does, and they have they have had you know three wins so far from their five games. Um, but I haven't. I have to say, I haven't been impressed with Wolves. They didn't impress me at all against Leeds. They didn't really impress me all that much against Fulham. They got. I thought they got really lucky to win the Leeds game. The goal is is a fluke. And in truth, they should have Jimenez should have been sent off in the dying moments of the game for for kicking out a Robin Cock. Um, 
they, they struggled to really create a whole lot of much against Fulham. They got walloped by West Ham. They got comfortably beaten by City. Um, and they beat Sheffield United on the opening day, but they scored twice in the first six minutes. And that was kind of all she wrote for them. So in truth, they haven't really impressed me at all. On the flip side, Newcastle, the performance against United was a shambles. To show that little ambition at home was really, really poor, really disappointing. Um, Because, you know, it came when they were in decent form. I mean, they'd beaten Burnley quite comprehensively. They got a point against Spurs, admittedly a little bit lucky to get the point against Spurs. Uh, they beat West Ham on the opening day. Their only defeat up to that point had been the uh, the Brighton game, where they were you know, fairly comprehensively played. But to show that little ambition at home against United, like they scored the earliest goal from the own goal by Luke Shaw. And then it, that was kind of it. They were just like, right, well, we'll, we'll hold on to this now. And they just invited so much pressure. And even when United scored the first through Maguire, they just didn't react to it at all. Um, I think Wolves should have enough quality to win this game. But it is the type of game that Newcastle will will have tendencies to like scrape a point from when they really don't have any business doing it. But I'm going to say that Wolves win this game 2-1. I think it'll be a really tight and probably quite turgid affair. Probably not one to watch unless you're, you know, lacking anything else to do on, on Sunday afternoon. Do you find it strange Wolves haven't started Adama the last? I think he's not started the last few, actually. I think it's absolutely mental that they haven't started him. I don't really know what's going on. Whether he's carrying a knock. I know he's done his shoulder whether... a couple of times, hasn't he? Thing I yeah, and of. obviously he had he, he had COVID during the summer as mm, well, course, yeah. uh, r- right into the start of the season, and he actually played against Sheffield United. Literally, I think he had one day's training and then played that game. So whether it's just the lack of preseason and maybe carrying a couple of niggling little injuries, I don't know. But the sooner he's back in the team, the better for them because without him. Mm. But they've got nice players like Raul Neto's a nice player, Pedence is a nice player, but they're complementary pieces. They're not game changing pieces. Adam is a game changer, and Jimenez looks a totally different beast with Adama next to him. He looks a little bit lost and a little bit, a little bit fed up. In truth, mm. without him, weren't they the um, most prolific partnership in the pair, Prem last yeah, season? Yeah, last season for for. Um, in terms of one person creating chances for the other, Adama to to him and as I think was was number one in the league. Yeah, and they're not a, they're not a team who scores loads, so you 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 really need that in your team. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think Wolves will be favourite for obvious reasons. Um, I'm not sure why this one isn't on TV. Well, I know why, but should be on TV for free or not free for your usual package. Arsenal v Leicester. Um, Leicester again, quite injury ridden. Um, having to rush in their young French centre-back who, who did well by all accounts last week um, but mm. probably not the ideal situation um, considering what they did with Sionchu a couple of years ago um, Should Arsenal be seeing this as a must-win if they really do have top-four ambitions? I think so I think I think for both teams this game is, is really important um, I think a lot of what happens in this one hinges on Jamie Vardy 
Leicester are without Ricardo Pereira, they're without Wilf and Didi, and they're without Sionchu. That's the spine. That's yeah, that's like it. That's their best defender, their best midfielder, and their best attacking outlet because Pereira is a phenomenal attacking right back. Now Castagne has come in and he's done quite well, but Pereira's on a different level to him. Um yeah, if, if Vardy plays, I, I think he scored ten goals against Arsenal uh over his over his career and like bear in mind I think he's only six years into his Premier League career. Because he's obviously spent most of his career in kind of non league and lower league. So he has tormented Arsenal. And I think, you know, when someone like David Luiz is in defence, a guy like Vardy's just like, right, well I'm I'm just gonna go pick on him for the day. I'm going to go stand next to him and wait for him to do something stupid and take advantage. And I'm also just going to run off his shoulder all game long and he doesn't have the pace to keep up with me. Um, I think Arsenal will win this game, though, because I even if Vardy plays, he's not going to be at 100%. Um, he is going to train today, Friday, and then be assessed. But I, I think at best he probably makes the bench, and if he does start, he's not going to be 100%. Arsenal are not without their own injuries, but it does look like Danny Ceballos and uh, Willian will both be fit for the game. Um, with Arsenal being at home, with Arteta being quite good defensively, I think he'll be able to nullify what Leicester offer in attack, especially if Vardy doesn't play, because if you watch that game, um, against Villa, Leicester really did look... They looked good in midfield and then kind of hopeless in in attack. Ian is a good player, but he's not really suited to playing as a lone striker. And he's not, re- he's not really of the level that you would want if, if your main striker's out. He's not the guy that comes in and does that job. So I'm going to say Arsenal win this game. I think it'll be a fairly entertaining game in truth. But I think Arsenal will be better defensively, and I think they'll cause Leicester more problems. Without Sionchu, I do have concerns about Leicester's defence, because they're obviously playing James Justin out of position at left-back. They've got Castanier, who is not the best defender at right-back. Fofana, I think he's going to be an absolute monster, but he is he's very young, he's inexperienced, and he's only new to the league. And Johnny Evans is is a very good player. I think he's, as I said before, I think he's the most underrated defender in the league. But it's an awful lot to ask him to try and knit all of that together, especially without Wilf and Didi in front of them. So I'm going to say Arsenal win 3 1. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd make them favourites. If, if Vardy's unfit, I just don't see where the threat comes from. Um, but we'll move on to Monday's game uh, again on Sky Sports box office. Brighton v West Brom. Can't see somebody paying for that. Um, no. <laughs> don't buy it. Um, oh, we've talked about Brighton quite extensively on on, on these podcasts, or you, or you have, I should say. Um, and the problem is that for everyone to see, they just lack a goal threat or consistent goal threat at least. Um, but if they don't beat West Brom, have we kind of overestimated Brighton? Yes, I think I've, I've I think I've done that anyway. I think um, their failure to their failure to to strengthen in the areas they needed to strengthen in the summer has cost them 
fairly massively. Um, they they don't have that focal point in attack. They look a little bit aimless in attack at times. The ball bounces back from from Mope, from Trossard, from Connolly. So they don't have that hold up ability. They they play lovely football. They really do, and they've got you know they've got good midfielders that that back three I think will get better in time. Um, they're a little over reliant on Lamptey at the moment for that creative thrust, but. Um, it, you know they're starting to get some of their players back. Now Lewis Dunk will be suspended, and that's a big blow. But Davy Proper is potentially fit for this one, mm. uh, so that would help massively because they've been carrying an empty shirt in midfield uh, for the last few weeks. So if he's back, that's big. Um, West Brom, I like. I, I like the front three now. I, I like Pereira. I like Carlin Grant, and I like the Ingana. I like Connor Gallagher in midfield. I think, I think they've put together a decent attacking group, but the defense is just so poor. It is so mm. so poor. Um, Brighton have been so hit and miss, though. I'm going to say Brighton win because I think they have to win this game. This is the type of game they have to win. Um, and West Brom. Well, look like they need wins as well, but they're one of the teams that Brighton just need to focus in on winning against. So I'm going to say Brighton win the game 2 0. Yeah, I could say anything in this game, really. Um, last game of the weekend, and again on Sky Sports, Burnley v Spurs, um, or Sean Dyche v Spurs at this rate. Um, nah, that's a bit disrespectful. But is the main question here. How Spursy can Spurs Spurs? <laughs> pretty much. That is pretty much what it comes down to. Uh this this comes down to a battle of the Spurs defenders against Chris Wood in the air. Um and whether or not they can just stop that. And if they stop that, they'll win this game comfortably. Burnley have been atrocious so far this season. The lack of investment in the summer, uh the injuries that they have at the moment are, you know, they're crippling them a little bit. Because they've got such a small squad again, because they failed to invest in their squad in the summer. Uh, Jack Cork is out, Ben Mee is still out, Phil Bardsley is out, Matt Lowton, it could be back, but it's unlikely. And Eric Peters is unlikely to play as well, who is a left back who was forced to play right back in their last game, which means that they don't have any fullbacks fit other than Taylor. And he was they've playing got... right wing <laughs> over Kings yeah. as well. So. The only thing I can think that they might do is stick Robbie Brady at right back or play Brady at left back and play Taylor at right back. Uh, but none of it is ideal. <laughs> none of it is ideal. Um, I told them they should have gone and tried to get Fossey Mensah on loan or sign Nathaniel Klein on a free. Anyone. <laughs> Anybody. Just a, get a body. And that's it. Just a body. Now, look, it might force them to play a young player. Who knows? Um, but it's not good. It really is not good for Burnley at the minute. And like, it's not like there's a lot of players injured. There are three starters out, and they are like, they are literally in pieces. So it is. It's a big ask for Burnley this one. Like Spurs, going forward they look awesome. Defensively, it's still a little bit ropey, but. I just can't see how how Burnley can stop them. 
I really can't. Like, even if you look at the centre-back pairing, like, Tarkovsky's playing out of position. He's playing left side rather than his normal right side. Just because Ben Mee's not there and they have to bring in this, you know, this backup centre-back, who, mm. in truth, isn't of the level they need. But he's doing a, he's doing a decent job. Uh, but he, he solely plays right side centre-back. So, Tarkovsky's had to switch. Uh, so, that's a little concerning. And everything else is concerning as well. I'm going to say Spurs win this one. And I, oh, it is a 4-1. Spurs win this one 4-1. Is the one the the, the question there? <laughs> the one, yeah, I think so. I think the one is just uh, is a Dwight McNeil cross and Chris Wood gets on the end of it or Goodmanson mm. cross and Chris Wood gets on the end of it. None of it is going to be particularly pretty from a Burnley point of view. Um, but I do think Spurs will will win this game comfortably. Yeah, I think Spurs have had the the weird season where they've had a brilliant result and a bad result. So this might be the brilliant one, and then yeah, whoever that's they play next, it, that yeah. has been their season. You whoever know, they like, play it, next game, they screw it up against. <laughs> that's exactly it. Like you look at Spurs, and you think like you've got eight points. You've only lost the once. You've scored fifteen goals, the most in the league. You've only conceded eight, which isn't bad. But then you look at how they've conceded and, and the games they've had. So, like, obviously, they start the season with a 1-0 defeat at home to Everton where they just looked they looked dead. They just looked like they had nothing in their legs at all. Um, then they go and they, they win in the Europa League and, and against a team nobody's ever heard of. Then they go and they wallop Southampton. And you're like, that is, that's a cracking result, cracking performance. Kane and Son, they, that's, they're going to do this all season. They're going to score a ton of goals. Um, you know, they play another Europa League game against a team nobody knows. They win again. Uh, and then they, they throw the game away against Newcastle just with a moment of stupidity. They beat Chelsea on penalties in the in the League Cup. They go and they wallop Maccabi Haifa. Then they go and they wallop uh, United 6-1. Then they look like they're about to wallop uh, West Ham. And it just, it all, it falls apart in the space of nine minutes. Um, it it bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Those, like the Everton one, fair enough because Everton have been really good this season. But the draw to Newcastle and the draw to West Ham against the rest of their results this season, and they beat Lask in midweek, uh, last night in the Europa League. Uh, I mean Burnley fit much more with the with the Newcastle and West Ham's of the world than the Uniteds and the Southamptons of the world. True. Uh, but I still think I still I, I can't look I can't look beyond beyond the Spurs win and a comfortable win at that. I think they'll win that. They'll beat Antwerp in midweek. But then Brighton, Brighton next weekend, and maybe that's the one they make a mess of. Um, did they batter them last year? I mean, Brighton battered. Uh, was it three 0 I think it was to Brighton. Yeah. So hopefully, <laughs> sorry, Spurs we will fans. predict. We'll predict I'm the invested, Spurs fans. I am invested in Brighton. <laughs> This season. We will predict a win for Brighton at some point. At some point. At some point it will happen. Uh, but yeah, I think Spurs are going to win this one comfortably. I mean, they just, they have, they've got more talent all over the pitch. They've got, you know, they've got good form coming into the game. Even the draw against West Ham, it's still just a draw. I mean, their only defeat this season in all competitions was the first game of the season against Everton. Since then, it's wins and draws. Uh, mm. Mostly wins. You know, Spurs will Spurs. 
Yep, absolutely. Uh, and that was the last game. Any particular favourite game or most interesting game for the weekend? Yeah, there's a couple. I, I love the Friday night game. I love tonight's game. Villa against Leeds, I think, is going to be a cracker of a game. Um, Villa are in such good form. Barkley's playing really well. Grealish is playing well. Watkins is playing well. That defence is functioning brilliantly. Uh, Leeds are just always entertaining to watch. Even when they have an off day, there's still some entertainment in the game. Um, so there's that one. Then there's tomorrow, there's United and Chelsea, which I think should be a good game. Uh, it could be a good game because it's a bad game, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like, it, it could be a good game because neither team are particularly good defensively. Yeah. So there might be, be a lot of scrappy football, but a lot of entertainment and goals. Um, and then Leicester against Arsenal. I, I think that is, I think that's the game of the weekend, potentially. Um, a lot depends on how ambitious Arsenal want to be and how creative they can be if either Sabayas or Willian are ruled out. But I'm hoping that we see the debut of one Thomas Partey, um, which to me is is going to be you know huge because I've been a fan of him for years, and uh, I'm delighted he's finally in the Premier League. And I think it's a big step for Arsenal that they were able to go and get a player like him while not in the Champions League. I think it speaks volumes about Arteta. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But that's it, Dave. That's all of them. That is it. Uh, right, so before we go, Guy, uh, we've talked a little bit about how people shouldn't pay the £15 pay-per-view uh, fee that the Premier League are asking for, or the broadcasters more specifically are asking for, for certain games. Um, you've highlighted them this week. Villa Leeds, um, Liverpool, Sheffield United, and Brighton against West Brom. Nobody should be paying for those games. That's ludicrous. So your alternatives are you find a dodgy stream and deal with that, or you invest a little bit of cash and save yourself a ton of money over the course of the year. The best way to do that is to get a really good IPTV service and a really good VPN. So Liberty Shield obviously are the VPN that we would we would promote on this show. But in terms of IPTVs, there are a lot of options out there. And I'm happy now to welcome on uh, a man we're going to refer to as Steve. It's not his real name, but we do want to protect his identity a little bit. And Steve owns an IPTV provider. So he's going to come on now, answer a couple of questions, and give you an idea of the service that he provides and that other IPTV providers provide, where you can get them and what kind of money you're looking at. So, Steve... um... You run an IPTV service, or you offer an IPTV service. So, let's start at the beginning. What is IPTV, and what you know? What's the growth been like in in the last couple of years? Um, so, IPTV offers you all your basically all your TV channels that you would get with your Sky, Virgin, BT package. Obviously, you know it differs where you are in the world um, to what channels you get, but the service that we offer. Um, provides a full UK, US, um, Canadian, Australian package. And um, with that, you get all the Premier League games, EFL games, um, pay-per-view events, so all your boxing. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we cover it all. It's a one-off payment with us instead of a monthly payment like you would get, and the payments are considerably less. Um, the growth over the last couple of years 
is it's brilliant really compared to um when i first started out um so i, I started out um purely as a seller um of iptv and it was it was ticking over nicely um you know and, and more people are flocking to it as sky virgin pt put their prices up um so and, and they'll constantly do that and as you can see this year they brought in the pay-per-view games um mm. You know, so with their pay-per-view games coming in at fifteen pound a game, if you're watching um, the Burnley game the other night, that was nil-nil. It was, it wasn't a great game. Let's be honest, um, it, it really wasn't. If you're paying fifteen pound for that type of game, Sky sold, I think, actually seventy-four passes or one hundred and seventy-four passes around that amount. That was the only amount that they sold. Um, so what they're looking at now doing, which I've heard in the grapevine, is that they're now looking to switch the bigger games to pay-per-view. Free mm. to wear ones will be the um, what we what we call the the non-big games. So yeah, so so I've I've seen that as well. I've I've seen a little bit of chatter about that as well. And what I I read the the figures. I think it was seventy-four or seventy-nine people watched that Burnley West Brom game, which. You know, I mean, look, nobody wants to see that. Like, no. Even even Burnley fans don't really want to see the team play West Brom. They're not going to pay 15, 15 quid for it. It's outrageous when you consider the, the cost of Sky and the cost of the BT add-on to that for them to demand any more money at all, I think. And like you say, those prices continue to go up and up and up. Every single year, they're raising the prices. You're not getting a whole lot more bang for your buck. And in truth, it really isn't sustainable. And when there are services out there, like the service you provide, people are going to flock to the IPTV angle, especially now with broadband being so much more readily available, such a, so much higher quality as well, with the introduction of fiber and fiber to the house rather than just fiber to the cabin. People are getting ridiculous speeds in their house. So an IPTV really is the way forward. When you see the growth of Netflix and Amazon Prime, it is only natural that more and more people will move away from having your Skybox and instead getting themselves an IPTV. That's right, yeah, they will. And a lot of people are realising that now. I mean, you get some people that come across that don't really know what it is and, you know, they, they sign up for it and within minutes are like, oh my God, why have I not done this years ago? Um, because you know the the price that they actually save. We we actually looked at a post the other day. It was actually posted in uh, the newspaper itself, and it was it basically said that if fans do not return to stadiums in twenty twenty to twenty one, this is what it could cost you to watch all remaining games. Which was it was your Sky Sports is sixty six pound a month plus a thirty pound setup fee. And then you've got your BT Sports at £25 a month, which is £20 set-up fee. Your Amazon Prime at £80. And 170 pay-per-view games prices in at two and a half grand. So that's £3,399.50 to watch the rest of the football season. And that's just Premier League. So, you know, when people are seeing those figures and they're seeing the prices of IPTV, whether it be mine or whether it be many of the other providers out there, it, it, it's a no-brainer, really. And like I said, people people are coming across and they're seeing the difference straight away and they're like, why have we not done this years ago? And 
the, the growth is massive. It really is, especially since um, COVID-19. Yeah. Um, to be honest, because people haven't been able to go to the games. They've, you know, they've not been able to go to the games. They've not been able to go meet the friends um, in the pub and things like that, you know, before the games. And so they, they've not been able to go to the pub and watch the game. So they're now finding ways to actually stream the game. And IPTV is the, is, is the main access point for people now. For sure. I mean, we, we have a mutual friend who who gave me um, one of the, one of your IPTV uh, passes, and it, it, it's phenomenal. The the sheer volume of options that you have in using it is genuinely incredible. And I have to say, like, I, I've had IPTV in the past, and I'm kind of guilty of just not using it enough, but the benefits of it are they, they far outweigh any, any potential negatives. Now, the only issue I have is that I live so rural that I rely on, satellite broadband my fiber has not yet been connected but once that is connected i'll have no need for anything else um i, I will just have iptv netflix and amazon prime which i have anyway um what kind of pricing are people looking at for the packages you provide um so our our standard prices are um 60 pounds for the year um, now at sixty pounds for the year, that includes everything that we mentioned earlier that you get, which is your full UK, US, Canadian, Australian, all your Premier League games, all your pay per view events. It also includes we're up to now seventeen thousand films and five thousand TV series in that as well. So you know the need for Amazon Prime and Netflix isn't actually there with IPTV because the VOD side is is now massive as well, and people are seeing that included. Mm. Um, so, like I said, our standard price is actually around £60 a year. Um, we, however, do a special discount for um, AI subscribers, which is £35 for the year. It's a massive discount. That is a huge, huge discount. So, if people listening want to get IPTV, 20, 35 quid for the year. Now, just bear in mind, as Steve has already said, 66 quid a month for Sky, Sky Sports. Yeah. Well over 100 quid if you want to have all the bells and whistles. If you want to have, obviously, the entertainment package. If you want to have Sky Movies. If you want to have Sky HD and thus get their, their box sets on demand. If you want to have multi-room, that's another 15 or 20 quid as well. Whereas with IPTV, you don't need any of that. No. So Our, our package comes with multi-room included. As well. you know so i mean it really is a no-brainer and you know we're our presenting sponsor is liberty shield and obviously one of the sort of slight issues with the iptv is just when those those high court blocks come on but if you team uh an iptv with a vpn it gets around all of that and you're still saving an absolute fortune based on what sky bt etc are charging and like you mentioned you guys offer all the pay-per-view events as well so your ufc the, the big time boxing obviously all these football matches that are taking place at the moment they're all there if you're an nfl fan or anything like that that's all there too as well and as you said an enormous back catalog of of movies of of tv shows i'm fortunate enough i, I actually get netflix for free i can't really re reveal how but i get netflix for free um and for amazon prime I purely have it because I have Amazon Prime for my deliveries. So it's just there. Um, 
but yeah, they they become kind of redundant when you have an IPTV package uh, like you provide. Now, for any of the listeners that want to get in touch with you, you have a Discord channel, is that correct? Uh, we do, yeah. So what is what is the, the Discord address? Um, so you can get us on the IPTV VPN streaming thread on uh, Anfield Discord server. Yeah. Um, you can also get us on our own SMTV server. Um, so if if you basically message me at jstorm4928, um, I can give you the invite link for the server itself, and then um, we can go from there if you're looking to set up. Perfect, perfect. That is that is going to be great. I, I hope people will take the opportunity to take this offer, 35 quid for the year. You really can't go wrong with it. If you tell... Tell uh, Steve that you heard about it. So it's at J at J Storm. Um, at J Storm four nine two eight four nine two eight on Twitter. Let him know you heard about it here on the Two Footed Podcast. He'll give you the link to the to the Discord chat, and you can get things set up there. Really is worth your time. Thank you so much for taking the time out to come on today and let us know. I know I know you don't normally like to have too much publicity around it, but. I think it's good to, to give people these options to to let them know you don't have to be tied to your skybox. It is, yeah. I mean, we we try and stay off the radar as much as possible. Um, basically, it's not just for our own safety because obviously IPTV is not completely legal. Um, but it, it's more for the fact that it, it's more for the service itself as well. Because if your service is very public. Um, you know, you get Sky agents, you can get people that are looking to take the service down. Um, so the more public you are, the more in the public eye, mm. the easier it is for you to find. So we, we stay off, completely off radar. And, you know, and we've, we're actually very hard to find um, service-wise. So, you know, we rely on, um, basically, we rely on private advertising, like, like, um, like the Anfield Index uh, Discord server. Um, our own customer base um, for referrals, things like that. You know, so we we are we are completely off radar. Um, but yeah, it is it's um it's a really good service, and um, it does it does go well with Liberty Shield VPN, to be honest. Exactly. Uh, so, get yeah. yourself a J Storm IPTV. Get yourself a Liberty Shield VPN, and you're set up, and you're set up at a fraction of the cost of what Sky and BT are going to charge you for the course of the year. Thank you so much for your time today. I'll hopefully speak to you again soon. No problem. And you. Thanks very much. Podcast Network.